Hello, everyone, and welcome to uh, another episode of the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast. My name is Kylie Miller, and we have everybody here today. We can start with you, Bruce, because I'm looking at you on the big screen. Um, and we can all say good morning and hi. Good morning, everybody. Glad glad to be here this morning. This beautiful cold morning for us. This uh, what 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 day? What's today? The November the second. Yeah, um, we're recording this. I, I got up this morning. It was 27 degrees here in North Louisiana. So, yeah, first good killing frost. It wasn't that cold in my house in Waterproof. It was like 32 something. Cold, but it's still, the sun's shining in, in Tinsaw Parish, but it's a little on the dry side. Oh, dry, definitely dry. I think you can pretty much say that about the entire state of Louisiana, Roger. Oh. But it does feel good to just to kind of shiver a little bit after all them hours and days of sweating. I, I came in from lunch the other day at the office, and it was I think it was Monday or Tuesday, whenever the front, the front passed through, and it was right rainy rainy day, mm-hmm. and it was I got out of the truck, and the truck thermometer said forty six degrees, and that was at twelve thirty. And I come in to the office here, and I told my secretary, I said, "Well, that's a sixty degree." temperature swing because there was mm-hmm. days where I came in from the field at lunchtime and it was 106 in the truck mm-hmm. you know and so you know and it seems like that was just yesterday that we we're seeing 106 degrees um, but dry just gracious we were just talking about the the drought monitor days days Thursday so a drought monitor new update just came out and um it is impressive to see and I don't, I'm not talking about impressive in a good way either uh the extent of d4 across the state mm-hmm. uh, it i think it yeah. Dennis, i think y'all down there are, are your whole parish is in d4 yeah, yeah. we are yeah yeah it's, it's yeah we're all now y'all are in d some of y'all are in d3 but we're all right. we've been in d4 i think we came out one time for just a week or so and then we went back into it i mean it's it's bad yeah it's it's dry it would take a lot of rain to to make it back good and you just ride along, of course, the, all the sloughs and bys have been dried up for a while. But then when I ride by the lake up at Lake Providence, I'm seeing the bottom of the lake in places I've never seen it before. Right. I mean, it has receded way back. Yeah, uh, I can tell you. We live on the you can lake see the water marks on those cypress trees. And yeah. some places they look five, six, seven foot, you know, down. So it it is dry. It is bad, bad, bad dry. That that hammers on the cover crops. Somebody asked me about planting ryegrass Monday. And we had, you know, got a little rain, and one of my pasture guys said, "Hey, what, you know, what do you think about planting ryegrass?" And I said, "Well, you know, if I was just looking at the calendar, I'd say, yeah, you need to be slinging it out. Here we are, you know, the end of October, first of November." I said, "But I don't know if you know." It's the time by the calendar, but gracious, you, you sling it out, it's just going to lay there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be fine as long as you didn't get a little half inch or something rain on it just right. enough to sprout it. Make you got a good rain on it, you'd be ahead of the ball game. But yeah, I've we been in the same boat. I've advised them to hold it, not to plant it. They're planting it like crazy down here. Well, one thing with some of the cattle guys I've talked to, I said, look, you know, we're still grazing. Now, of course, after today, We'll have another day or two of, of some standing forage um, in some of our pasture ground, 
but there's not a whole lot of that because we've been so dry for so long. There's not a lot of standing forwards left. Um, I had guys started putting hay out back, oh gracious, three weeks ago now, um, because we were just out of, we're out of, out of forage, out of, out of standing forage. Um, so, you know, everybody's trying to bit to get ryegrass slung out and gracious, like RL said, you sling it out, it, you go half inch rain, it germinates, starts pegging, coming up, and then it stays dry for the next 10, 14 days. And then that little, that little peg seed seedling just lays over dead, dries out. So. I think, I think for wheat crop, wheat cropping is kind of the same thing. I don't, I haven't seen a, a whole lot of wheat get getting drilled in at all. Um, so I'd say ninety five percent of our wheat's still in the bag. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Kylie is. Uh, I got one grower. I only got one wheat grower in Tinsaw, but I think he's going to be. I'm not sure if he's planting in Tinsaw or Catahoula. You knew what I'm talking about. Terry, mm -hmm. he's got, he's supposed to have some wheat, but I'm, I'm thinking it's all going to be in Catahoula. Could be. Uh, but that's the only, the normal wheat growers I have don't have any. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if the dry weather didn't, didn't influence over there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, it, it's a tough year for sure. Um, I kind of touched on forage. I, I've been telling folks and encouraging folks to test test hay this year um to see what make sure what you what you think you got is what you got because um i've tested several different batches of hay this this summer and this fall and because of the drought conditions the guys normally would, would be really happy with their hay we've tested it and it's come back and it's it is not they have they have not been happy with their hay so i've, I've been encouraging folks hey if you if you're feeding hay and you think you've got good hay you might want to, you know, get get in touch with a county agent, get some samples pulled, and get them sent off to the lab so you can get, make sure what you think you're feeding is what you're feeding. Um, because if it, it's based on what some of the things I've seen, um, you may think you've got some really good hay, and you're going to have. You know, I'm not trying to say a bad thing, but you may get your feelings hurt when you get your results back. So um, it's tough to. To, to think to think you got something good and when you actually test it it comes back and it's not as good as you think yeah um well another thing i wanted to bring up was you know we're we're all still under a burn ban um and we were just discussing before we got started on the agricultural burning and uh, i think we decided that you were supposed to call your sheriff's office or fire department and get that cleared with them first before you or before you decide to so it, it's going to be different i think for every parish but um whether you can and you can't but um but you definitely need to do that before you you know start doing anything like that yeah that it, i think it's we're, it's almost parish by parish on the agricultural exemptions um mm -hmm. i think the burn ban are pretty much in place there's a few parishes sprinkled in this, this lifted burn bans that that you were looking looking online a few minutes ago, um, yeah. but even within that, the parishes that that got the burn bans in place, some of them are allowing some agricultural burning, and some of them no, they're not allowing it's the full exemptions. So yeah, definitely check with your your you know local police juries, local fire departments, local sheriff's departments um, before you do any burnings. Um, 
because it's it's it may be different from one parish to the next. Just remember that even if you have if you're agricultural exempt, agricultural exempt does not apply to burn to brush piles and fence rows. That's right. right. Also, even though you have an exemption, it does not exempt you from the liability. Civil liability, exactly right. That's what a lot of folks think. Well, it's we're not under the burn ban. We're not liable. You're liable 24-7-365. Yep. Mm -hmm. So oh, you're exactly be right. careful with that. You're exactly right. We but seen you know, one the other day from a brush pile that blew across four or 500 yards across a bare field to a CRP. A ember did and set it afire. Hmm. So, yes. You know, talking about it being dry and we've worked up so much ground, everything's ready to plant next year. It's all worked up. The last few days that wind's been blowing, have y'all noticed the, the wind erosion? Yes. That's, the dust blowing in the fields? Mm -hmm. The dust, yeah, that, that's something that, that when you see it the first time, I, I, I was looking for a piece of equipment in the field. What's running? Yeah, well, and, I, that's exactly what I thought. You know, what, what's, what are they doing out there in the field and realize that, no, there's nothing out there in the field. That's just the wind coming across that field, mm -hmm. picking, picking up picking up dust and picking up stuff blowing across the field. Uh, I haven't yeah. seen it this year, but in years past in the spring, some of this lighter soil, when the wind would get to blowing, mm -hmm. it would look like pictures of what you've seen from the old Dust Bowl days. Where it drifts uh, up, all, almost like, like drifts yeah, up. Yeah, I'm just it. saying that the whole sky would be a haze. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. not just the field, but the whole forest you could see would just be a haze. Yeah. Well, I guess one thing. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just saying one benefit of being in a drought, though, everybody's been able to get their groundwork in, get their crop out. If you're mm -hmm. doing any land leveling, you know, drilling wells or anything like that, you mean you've you've had a lot of time to get it done. So. Yeah. The gins are the gins in tensile. The last one closed. Day before yesterday, I think. Uh, I mean, we're done. You know, everybody's. Done. There is no harvest left except what little dab we got here on the station. We've uh, got we a have, little dab, but that's just one, one, one or so guys. Yeah, it's just uh, we got. I think we got one. We got one test. No, two tests left to cut. Yeah, one pick and one cut. But everything else, I mean, we're. I mean, everybody's done, just not, you know. Yeah. Um, I know over in, in, I was looking, I went last week, week, I can't remember if it was last week or week before, one Sunday afternoon, we went for a ride and rode over to the river at the levee and, 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 you know, tried to spot the river from the levee on the Louisiana side. Uh, I was just, you know, shocked the distance between the, the the base of the levee and how far mm -hmm. out it was from the river the mm -hmm. river levels are just it's it you know two years in a row now um the levels of the river just is it's it's scary really i mean that's you know and we we look at it here but i've seen something come up on facebook so you know it's the truth <laughs> uh, <laughs> Out of Arkansas, the they said it was spots up there. They were showing that the Buffalo River had dried up. I can believe. Oh it. no! Yeah. I, I can go. Yeah, I can see it. 
And Buffalo oh. doesn't have a doesn't, doesn't have a dam on it that you know an impoundment that feeds it. So it's mm. it's it's, it's strictly runoff water and springs. But yeah. I, I, I got I want to change the subject. I, since no. since we're talking it. about two years two years in a row, the river's been so low, and um, you know barge traffic and everything. I know Kylie, you probably saw it because it was in the Concordia Sentinel that they're starting to. Aurel, you got a railroad that comes to Tallulah. They're mm-hmm. talking about they've already they just bought a section south of Vidalia from Vidalia coming north, and they're talking about buying from Newton to I think Waterproof or somewhere. They're fixing a, they're looking very seriously at making putting the railroad back. Wow. Well, you know, yeah. Dennis, you've seen it. Uh, when we were working up north end of Lake Providence, north end East Carroll, up in there a couple of years, several years ago, the mm-hmm. old line that went from Tallulah north all the way to what McGee or Dumas or somewhere yeah. up there, yeah. they were literally picked the tracks up from Lake Providence north. Mm-hmm. A few years ago, they went in there and relayed that track, yeah. and. I don't know exactly what's going on, but there's been some funny-looking gondola-type cars at Lake Providence with a tarp, with a ratchet-down tarp on top of them. Mm-hmm. You know, coming, they parked up there on that little spur that goes up and over the levee to the port. I'm wondering if they're not putting grain or cottonseed or something. Putting cottonseed in them because they used to ship cottonseed out of that port on the river. I bet they're shipping it in rail. I bet they haven't put it in rail cars. That's what I'm thinking. Those old rail lines are being refurbished and they're beginning to to move stuff. You know, and I've said for years they had it there. It was during these type situations, they'd be an ideal way to keep moving grain. Yeah. Well, Interesting. I, I like kind of like everybody else. I, I I spend probably more time on the internet than I should. I found a guy, and I, I'll plug his I'll plug his YouTube channel. Um, he's a riverboat captain on the, the Mississippi. Um, it's Mark Twain is his channel, and I think his I think his name is Finning Captain Finning. If y'all ever get looking for something to do, can't you nothing on television? You search mark twain um and he's he's did a series of videos here recently he caught he caught his boat in lake providence on a southbound leg and what he did is he documented his trip um every day where when he had internet access he would post a video and it'd be anywhere from five to ten to fifteen minutes and it was something it was usually something he would give them talking about river conditions or where they were dredging him maneuvering the boat he'd set the camera up behind him so you could see the you could see him maneuvers maneuvering the boat super interesting especially for you know somebody that never been on the river per se um but he made a southbound leg down to new orleans turn around came back up went all the way up above st louis turn around came back down i mean so it was he was on the on his boat for 40 days working um Hmm. so hour literally hours of video um i'd I'd recommend anybody that's got any interest in the river check this guy's channel out because i'm plugging him um because it is interesting Um, 
but just one one thing that sticks in my mind is he showed one he was above greenville and he showed the sandbars on either side of the boat and he was looking out i mean looking out the whatever the pilot level however how many feet above the r- river they were and he's looking at sand out of the pilot house on the bank on both mm. sides of the river and he said it's like pushing in a valley he said there's just you know he, he was making comment on it that he's never seen that type of 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 level of the river super interesting like i said i took her to just check it out I mean, it's it's a, a guy's pretty humorous um kind of gruff language is not bad usually sometimes you can tell he's frustrated but um super interesting uh, mark mark twain on on youtube so look at look at him up well, while we talk about that, anybody want to make a, a guess what how the crop balance is going to be for next year? Oh, good lord, I wouldn't hazard a guess mm-hmm. right now. No, be, I, I'll make one prediction it's less cotton, yeah. And past that, you know, speaking I, of cotton, now you opened up another door there, yields on cotton. God, they have been as wide a range as I've ever heard of, from twenty two hundred to four hundred. Yeah. My 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 cotton plot this year up in Morehouse Parish. Um, when when we started picking, we thought, oh my gosh, this is gonna be oh, this is gonna be bad. This is gonna be bad. And of course, we you know, we picked. You know, you picked kind of the buffer areas first, then you then we got into the to the actual plot. And the first first variety, it it was like it's like a dagger to the heart. You just go, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna call the variety name, but it was it was not good. By the time we got to the last variety in the plot, it had big smiles on our face. That's you know, I said that was as typical of yields that I've seen. It went from absolutely horrible to hey, all right, it's all right, <laughs> right. Uh, just I wish we could have said that ours was horrible all the way across, so we didn't even. You didn't even yeah, pick we, yours, did you? We picked it, but that was it. Yeah. Right, it well, I'm gonna plug. I'm gonna plug cover crops here because James Hendricks he had a bunch of plots, and but and he's got some that have been in cover crops for eight years. He had one. He had one one treatment. And I don't know which cover crop it was, but it's like I say, it's long term. Pick three and a half bales. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I had two. I had a vetch and a cereal rye. And the vetch, the, the cereal rye picked, and, went, and the cereal rye was irrigated three times, and it picked almost 1,100 pounds. And the, but the vetch was irrigated once. I watered it once. Didn't intend to water it at all, but I watered it once, and it picked uh, 1,272 pounds. Oh. I mean, it, it, and I don't know whether and these were playing mid May. I don't know whether the, it was a, both of them had good straw on the ground, a nice mat. I don't know whether did that, y'all can voice on this. Did, did the vetch help mitigate the, te- the ground temperature? You know, the straw on the ground, did it help with that? We, I, you know, okay. The, the, the Bruce Garner opinion, which is, you know, <laughs> My opinions are like um, armpits. Everybody's, I've got them, usually a couple of them, and they usually stink pretty bad. Um, 
but I I personally think that, and I've seen it kind of just observational, is that thatch on the ground, that layer of of, of organic matter. I think it helps the moisture level because you're not, you don't have, especially in years like this where we start out dry, mm -hmm. stay dry. Um, I think it helps the moisture level. I think it helps the temperature. Now, it's like any insulation, it works for you and can work against you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, you know, I, 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 that's that's where I, the the whole big I don't know comes in. I, I know it provides some insulation. Does it keep the ground cooler longer, or does it keep the ground warmer once it warms up? I will say now, we planted this. I think we planted it May the somewhere around between the fifteenth and the twentieth. I don't remember the exact day, but it was that week in there. We could not plant the regular fields, the more conventional fields. We could not plant them because they were too dry, and we had plenty of moisture in both those fields. Right. I I I think just from observation that 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 layer of thatch definitely for the moisture levels it helps moderate the moisture because I've seen it I mean y'all have too where it was mm -hmm. you couldn't get a piece of equipment in the field because it it would sink but when you had the thatch there it helped to support the piece of equipment. It, um, this it showed up this year, and I I didn't expect it. I mean we planted it. We had marshes in him. We went and planted. It was great, um, and didn't expect it to grow off, but it just it made well. I mean, it was really uh, kind of eye opening. I was glad we picked it. We picked it uh, week four last, and uh, or last we picked it last week, middle of last week, and uh, it was a little bit later, but uh, it was good. So, I think we've hit all the way around it. I think it's kind of like a three or four fold effect. First of all, the, the thatch helps absorb the moisture, keeps the solar radiation off the, the bare ground, so you don't have the as much fast or as fast of evaporation. Mm -hmm. It helps hold that moisture in. And mm -hmm. then with all that being said, yeah, I think it may help with some of the the uh, the cooling, which all that ties together. It just helps to hold the moisture, it to trap and hold the moisture through all these other effects. But it but it also, and I, boy, I'm, I'm going to step off into something with this one. It covers that ground, and it, it, I, I personally think it helps some with weed control. No, yeah. there was no doubt. Yeah. Because it, it covers that ground, it shades that weed seeds out, um, and, you know, now, I can hear the, you know, folks yelling, well, what about the bug pressure? What about it? And we planted it green. Didn't have any. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I planted enough guy. planted in green that the bug pressure actually went down. Right. I mean, I used to be the guy standing on the sideline yelling about bug pressure. And I mean, I was the I was the naysayer that was saying, oh, no, your bug's going to eat you up. I mean, it's just, you know, you, you you're just giving them. And the more I've been witness to it and the, the more I've looked at it, I have not seen the bug pressure. And I'm not saying that at some year that there won't be some weird hatch that we go through or weird bug flight that we get into. But if we get into a bug flight, we, it didn't matter if the green was there or not. <laughs> Just, i tell you what we didn't have in it, though. We didn't spread it for thrips. Yeah. Of course, it was planted late May and it grew. I mean, it came out of the ground growing. Right. But we, uh, I will say this, so 
the this is the difference in the two of them. We planted the vetch earlier, and we planted it with was on ten inch spaces, and was planted with a planter. And the the cereal rye was done later, and it was too wet to plant, and so we broadcast it. And you know how it is with broadcast. You don't have that even stand. Kylie, I think you mentioned something about the thick, you know, the stand. And it wasn't even like the vetch was. And we did have weeds everywhere you saw that little square patch of bare ground. You had a weed. Right. And we had to, we had to, we treated it way more heavily with herbicides than we did the other. But I didn't expect them to turn out like that. It was kind of a, it was a pretty nice, Nice little trial. Um, we're getting into meeting season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was, you know, good Lord, we got, I mean, we've got our meeting coming up December 7th. We'll talk about that for a minute. Yeah, that's in Kylie's backyard. She's yeah. the host. Hostess. Let, let, me, let me pull up your uh, agenda here. She's the hostess and and... She's going to have some little petty fours and all that kind of stuff, you know. Just I'm going to have what? <laughs> petty fours, you know, little things, little square cakes, you know. Oh, yeah. I will make that. I'll be slaving in the kitchen all that week trying to get it all <laughs> special and ready to go. Just give him a box of Rice Krispie treats and tell him to shut up. Well, I mean, oh. I, I had to do cookies for Allie's school this week, and I just went to Walmart and grabbed a box, and I've, I've never been more embarrassed in my life, because I was like, look, she came home the next day with all these pretty little packaged cookies and stuff, and I was like, I didn't even, I didn't even try, like. <laughs> well, you're not going to win the Susie Homemaker of the Year award. No. No, you do not want one of my cakewalk cakes. I can assure you that. <laughs> if it's from Walmart, some of them cakes are pretty good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, my no. brownies maybe, but not cakes. You know, that's not my strong suit. I can make food food. Like, I, I'm a good food cooker, but not a baker. Baking is not my – I would love I, to say I could. I've made a decent pound cake every now and then, but – I like pound yeah. cake. Yeah. My problem is, is most pound cakes are single serving for me. <laughs> yeah, and therein lies my health problems. Yeah, well, yeah. I bought two cakes this month because I can't bake. It's birthday season and all kinds of stuff, so we'll let the professionals handle that. <laughs> but you know, you say birthday cakes. Birthday cakes are, you know, they're really some of them are really, really ornate and really pretty, and they taste terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're. I mean, it really is whoever's doing it. There was a lady who used to live here in Tinsile. Her cakes were pretty, and they tasted good. That's even that's mm-hmm. even better. You know? I mean, you go to a wedding, you, and the cake's all really pretty, and then you get a piece of cake, and it's like, Ugh. that's kind of, Yeah, no yeah. flavor. Yeah. All of it went into the frosting. I'm not wrong with that. All right, well, boy, we have, have we got, we usually a little bit out, a little bit out of left field this 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 podcast i mean we've got off on birthday cakes and wedding cakes today. <laughs> it's, in, it's well, the end of the year i mean it's it not really is and we're, i think we're all happy that it's the end of the year yeah because it well, hasn't been a good year so well i'll start we're doing the our winter meeting and i think i like the name that we picked out the other day hang on let me go back to my flyer because i can't even remember what it was 
it was crop issues for uh, 2023, I think is our was our top uh, title for the meeting, but it's going to be in the Vidalia Conference Convention Center, which is where my office is, uh, which is right under the, the bridge that goes under, goes to Natchez. So you cross the levee and you can park right under the bridge and walk in. Um, but we're going to start, I think, at nine o'clock, uh, if I remember right. And our topics, we, we've got several topics. We're going to talk about, we're going to get Mr. Glenn to talk about the pig bait. Um, Stacia is coming to talk about her new irrigation app. Um, David Mosley's coming to talk about, um, I guess, the, the temperature and some irrigation stuff um, dealing with the heat this year, um, this growing season. Um, and Dennis, who are the two Mississippi State guys? I can't remember. Um, we got two guys from one of them's going to come talk about on farm irrigation trials. Uh, and the other one, uh, Zach Reynolds, uh, he's going to talk about, uh, he's kind of got a database where they've done a lot of precision ag stuff, collecting data and using, starting to learn how to use this data to make production decisions. Right. And then we've got Bobby Skeens coming too. He's going to give us a farm bill update. And then mm -hmm. Thanos is, is, and I don't remember Thanos' last name, but he's coming and he's going to talk about what to do with your data. Yeah, um, give you some ideas of, uh, in fact, I, um, he's, he's going to talk about what, everybody collects all this data and it's really and truly it's overwhelming. And he's going to kind of talk about questions to ask when you look at a map, what is this, what is what can I do with this? You know, he's, uh, we kind of, we all had a meet, talk with him. We kind of did a, a team thing the other day and kind of tried to explain to him what we needed. So, but you yeah. left, Kelly, you left off the two, the two highlighted speakers, the our keynote speakers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So Bruce and uh, Mr. Ariel, they're speaking. They're going to also cover flow meters and pipe planners. Mm -hmm. Correct, y'all? Yeah, yep. that's what I was told. We're just doing doing what we're told. I mean, that's well, you know that that's the keynote. We, you know, I don't, I don't, look if don't please don't bill us as keynote. I mean, that's gonna be, <laughs> talk about disappointing people. I mean, we're trying to inspire, not run well, them off. The and so our listeners kind of know we were trying to. And this may be my swan song presentation. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna get you Richard as a volunteer, and you're gonna come back and volunteer. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You can count on that, especially at yeah, Delta. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, we were trying to get, we, when we were planning this meeting, we kind of were thinking up different, you know, issues we had this year. And the, the two that jumped out with us was precision ag and uh, irrigation. And uh, so it kind of started to go that direction. And then we had some other ideas get thrown in there. So we kind of changed it to, you know, issues that came up in 2023. And uh, we'll get that out in, in y'all's email account soon. Um, the next meeting we have coming up, let me get my calendar, is the Tri-State Soybean meeting. Yeah, and yeah that that'll be January the 5th. 5th. Um, uh, you want me to talk on that one, Kylie? Yeah, 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 you can. It'll be on January the 5th. The Tri-State Soybean Forum is a, a rotating meeting between Louisiana, Arkansas, and Mississippi. It's Louisiana's turn to host this year. And if I've done the math right, I think it's like the 68th annual meeting. 
this has uh, been going on. Uh, but we're going to move it this year in Louisiana. We're going to have it at Delhi at the uh, Poverty Point Black Bear Convention Center there, uh, just north of Delhi at the Poverty Point State Park and all. Uh, they got a brand new convention center there. We're going to be using it. Uh, but uh, it'll be on January the 5th. Registration is going to start at 7.30. We'll be there 7.30, 8 o'clock for registration and coffee. Uh, we'll begin the program around 8 o'clock with welcome, you know, from some of the LSU staffs, uh, uh, the directors and stuff. Uh, then we're going to have uh, 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 Mr. Brian Bros from Louisiana Farm Bureau is going to be there with uh, these new rules and regulations coming up with H2A. Uh, worker program updates and all that we're going to be looking at. Uh, then we got Dr. Trent Irby from Mississippi State, their soybean specialist. He's going to be talking on heat stress and irrigation timing during extreme conditions. Uh, then we got um, Dr. Kevin Hofset, I think is how you pronounce that, from, from uh, LSU. Uh, he's working on an electronic grading system, kind of like an uh, electronic eye that can grade grain as it comes off the truck there. Uh, it's not USDA, USDA approved, but it's a, a new tool there that they're working on. Got a lot of interest in that. Uh, of course, we'll have an update from all three states by their soybean specialist. And then another topic, we got uh, Mr. Rusty Rumsley. Uh, he's a senior staff attorney with the National Agricultural Law Firm, and he's going to be talking about uh, the solar panel invasion that we're having. Uh, you know, do's and don'ts and questions to ask before you sign your your farm into the uh, solar panel. Uh, and then, of course, again, we'll have Dr. Glenn Gentry coming up to give us an update and where we at on his the hog bait that LSU has developed and has patented. And, uh, you know, where are we at? How long will it be before we can get this into commercial use and stuff? Uh, and then, of course, we'll always recognize, you know, three deserving young people, one from each state with a scholarship. So kind of a different approach, a whole new program approach to it. Uh, instead of just the normal Weed seed. Well, what 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 do we call it? The trilogy. It was the trinity. Weeds, trilogy. Yep. Uh, weeds. Uh, Disease. Diseases and insects. Weeds, bugs, and insects. Yeah, yeah. So we kind of took a little different, little different twist on it this year. I hope it works, and look for all of y'all to be there. And then we're gonna feed you lunch at the end of it. We've got a we've got a national con conference in the state this year. It's going to be out in January, kind of a small group of producers. It's the, the National Sweet Potato Growers Meeting um, will be down in New Orleans in January. Uh, if you've got any sweet potato producers that are listening, um, check out um, that convention. It's always a good convention. It, like I said, they're having it down um, in New Orleans. It's at the Royal Sinesta on Bourbon Street. Um, we may have just gotten a bunch of sweet potato folks that just started growing sweet potatoes if they you know it's a really neat <laughs> week a few days on bourbon street uh it's an interesting convention um but that's going to be in january uh the state sweet potato meeting is actually november december the 6th the day before our meeting in Vidalia. um so anybody that's 
sweet potato growers are part of the growers association there's a state meeting on december the 6th at the evac center in um alexandria so and another one that's also coming up michael delaberto's put together um one at dean lee i think it's called the out uh, ag outlook conference um he sent out a save the date i guess this mm -hmm. week um yeah. and anyway i'm not quite sure uh what all the topics were because it didn't come with an agenda but save the date for january 10th if you are interested in coming to that and we'll get you more information when that comes available uh Kyle, the digital ag conference is going to be at dean at dean lee january the 17th okay and it's uh is this the fourth one rl yes I had, to, I had to do the math in my head. Yeah, it, and it, it's going to be, uh, I can't remember the exact title, production using precision ag. It's where this year, again, it's leaning towards a lot of, uh, well, some um, producers talking about, um, well, I know there's going to be a panel of Randy Price, which is LSU's ag engineer talking about drone. There'll be a drone panel. You'll have a producer using one, uh, Randy Price talking about it, and I think there'll be a commercial guy that's going to be talking about a panel about drones. Um, uh, there'll also be several other speakers uh, really talking about using it in your farm. You know, you got you got all the bells and whistles. How do I want to use them? Kind of you know, if you come to the, if you come to our meeting in Vidalia and hear Thanos talking about what questions to ask, you can go to Digital Ag and they'll talk about, they'll expand more on that, uh, that topic. Uh, we we've got a rough agenda put out. All the speakers are there, but um, we're kind of that's where we're at. It's uh, still still working on getting all the logistics lined up, but uh, then there'll be some some people there, some commercial people there with. Uh, I think last year John Deere brought their sea and spray machine. There'll be you know some vendors like that there to talk about their stuff, and uh, it'll be good. That's January the seventeenth. Yes. And then Ag Expo is going to be, um, I guess, January the twelfth and thirteenth. Right. That'll be that'll be in West Monroe at the Ike Hamilton. There'll be the legislative luncheon there at the West Monroe Convention Center um on the 12th i think um at noon and then the expo starts up that afternoon at two o'clock and it's all day on saturday uh, so if you're in, in and around the west monroe area uh, we'll talk more about it in future future podcasts with with more data about what's going on there so i got i'm gonna and i'm gonna plug it's not our meeting but it's a really good meeting and it's it's a good one is the Mississippi State row, row, row crop short course. It's the fourth, fifth, and the sixth, I think. It's the three days before ours on the seventh. <clears throat> and their meeting is the agenda's out now. And it's they've got some really good speakers and really good talks. Uh, it's a if you ever been once, you you understand it's worth it's well worth going to. Well, I think we're we're we this has been a Pretty, pretty, pretty lengthy podcast today. We got a lot to talk about. Yeah, uh, yeah we hadn't done one in a while. Of course, we chased a few rabbits that needed chasing too. Yep. Even learn how to how to bake a cake. That's right. 
I want to, you know, we're moving into the holiday season. I want, if we have any wives that listen to us, I want to remember, remind you that most all husbands wear size shotgun and <laughs> uh, size fly rod. So if you have any questions about which one of those for Christmas is coming up, size shotgun, size fly rod. Call Bruce. Call, Call Bruce. I'd be glad to be glad to add, you know, uh, I, I'm not putting out that I that I am a um, sponsored by Sage or sponsored by Beretta, but I'm just putting <laughs> those two names out there. And, and I, w- I will offer this as having been married a long time. Um, make sure you get your wife's Christmas list in writing. Right. <laughs> what does that mean? That sounds like a pretty good story. That's it. You know, it just you just want to make sure that you're spot on. Well, I'll just go with that. I had a sage once tell me, a sage, a very sage elderly gentleman tell me one time is that, son, never give your wife anything with a a cord attached to it unless she specifically (laughs) asks for it. I said, what do you mean? He said, you give her something that's got an electrical cord attached to it and she doesn't want it, that means she can wrap that cord around her wrist and (laughs) swing it at you. (laughs) And if you think about that, anything with a cord, could be detrimental mm-hmm. to your health. So, um, I, I got a Dyson vacuum once for Christmas, and I think that's still one of my favorite presents. Well, but I bet you wrote it down. I bet you wrote I did, it down. Though. I did. I requested it. You know. So there you go. If you request it, that's all right. Oh wait a minute. I can testify and give a witness. <laughs> what you got, RL? Just what Bruce said. You give it to them with a car, and they'll throw it at you. you they'll go. swell up for months. <laughs> And they don't forget either. No. So, gentlemen, I'll say this. Most wives wear size earrings. Diamond. They wear a diamond. Diamond. I mean, And just just think, diamonds and jewelry like that, that's like what I tell Will, you invest in it, you can pass it down generational. So you're going to be the guy that started. So can you that really good mixer. That's right. <laughs> that, that KitchenAid Mexican is awfully heavy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have one of those that I, I I do use it. I do use it, but I've never baked cake with it. So uh, <laughs> we better get out of here before we all get in trouble. We're all <laughs> overload ourselves and get in trouble. Oh, oh my. Well, guys, thank you all for listening. Sorry you had to endure some comedy from us, but uh, we appreciate you all listening. And as always, reach out to us if you have any questions about anything we talked about or want to know anything different. Um, But we'll catch you all next time. Thank you all. Thank you all.